Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 11th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is siblings of congenital heart defect patients, and we have a great show today. Today's show is siblings of a truncus arteriosus sister, and our guests are siblings Jessica Weiner and Jeff Weiner. Jessica Weiner, at 32, is the heart-healthy youngest of three siblings. Jessica's sister, Jennifer, was born with truncus arteriosus in 1982. Jessica was not yet born when her sister had her first surgery. However, the two siblings who shared a room growing up are quite close. Jessica often takes on the role of secondary caregiver to her older sister. Jessica lives in Chicago's Jefferson Park neighborhood and works at Fuga Centra Salon and Spa on Michigan Avenue. She started her career as a hairstylist with Tricochi School of Beauty. After many years in the industry, she remains current by seeking out the latest trends and newest techniques. Jessica's ability to make her clients feel at ease comes from her friendly demeanor, as well as her strengths of precision cutting, bridal styling, and special occasion design. We'll meet Jeff in the second segment of the show. Welcome to Heart Art with Anna, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you here, and I understand you are quite the hairstylist. When your sister told me about you, I asked her if you do her hair. She said, yeah, that's one of the perks to having you as a sister. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. She's my test dummy at oh. times. She'll always, I could try new things on her. Well, that's good. It's good to have someone you can experiment on. <laughs> yes, yes. I love how it sounds like the two of you are so close. So can you tell me a little bit about your childhood, growing up with a sister with a serious congenital heart defect, especially since you were born after her initial need for care? Were you aware of her condition? You know what? I really totally wasn't aware of what exactly was wrong with Jenny. I knew something had happened before I was born, but to my knowledge at the time, she was fine. And She maybe needed to go see doctors here and there. And somehow I knew she was a little extra special, you know, a little more cared for. People worried about her more. I worried about her more, even being her younger sister. But I really didn't know the whole story of what went on. But I knew I felt the way I felt. And it's how it was, you know, in our household. And what is the age difference between the two of you? Three years. Well, Jennifer had surgery again once you were both in high school. Can you tell us about that time? We were both teenagers. I was in high school, too. 
to be like brutally honest, a teenager is not very aware of what's going on in their outside life. I remember she needed surgery. I remember going to the hospital the day she had it and visiting her the next couple weeks. But for some reason, it didn't seem like as big of a deal as it really is compared to now when I go into surgeries with her that are way less invasive than an open heart surgery. I'm a nervous wreck, you know, (laughs) but then at the time, really just I never grasped the gravity of what was going on. Well, and I think that's typical, don't you? Yeah, I hope so. I hope I'm not just a selfish teenager. (laughs) I don't think you're a selfish kid. Not from the way your sister talks about you. She has such glowing praise for you. I just think that your parents didn't do anything to unduly scare you. And I'm guessing you didn't see them crying or getting all upset about it, which is the way that I tried to handle it with my son's surgeries, too. He also has a he has a brother three years older. You're three years younger. But, you know, once again, very close in age. A three year difference isn't, isn't huge. It is when you're talking one in four or three and six, then right. it seems like it. But the older you get, the less that three-year difference seems to be. But, you know, we just treated right. Alex's right. surgeries like a matter of fact because they work. Right, exactly. He had to have it yeah. or else he wouldn't survive. <laughs> so you just went into it. But so she did tell me that you two are very close and that mm-hmm. and that you do go with her to different appointments now. Do you know the lingo? When the doctor is talking, do you understand what they're talking about with her? Sometimes, sometimes I have 20 follow-up questions for her of what this means. <laughs> Even still now when she abbreviates everything, I'm like, take it back a step, you know, like explain that, <laughs> I, you know. I try. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty tough, especially when you're not living with it. You're, it's not as tangible for you right. as it is for her, I imagine. So how might your experience with a sibling with a chronic illness have affected your outlook or your willingness to act as a caregiver to your sister? Has it possibly affected other aspects of your life? I think it kind of taught me to be a little bit more independent. I never wanted to stress my parents out because they had enough to worry about with life, let alone a daughter with CHD. So I kind of learned to solve my own problems. You know, I knew I needed to be strong. And I find myself doing that as an adult. I would say, like, I'm a pretty good caregiver, maybe even a little extra annoying when I'm with my sister in the hospital (laughs) asking a million questions. But I do take care of people really well. I think that Mm -hmm. I've developed that over the years. You think that's what makes you such a good beautician? Maybe, maybe I listen to people and try. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it sounds like you're a very nurturing and loving person. And that probably spills into your professional world as well. I try. Yeah, I tried. Awesome. Do you think that becoming a hairdresser has anything to do with you taking care of your sister? It sounds like you like to play with her hair and you like to do things with her. As far as, you know, girly things, it sounds to me like you girls have a real good girly relationship. Do you think that that is what lured you to that profession? I don't know. I'm not sure because, to be honest, my sister was kind of more of the tomboy of the two of us. So Uh she was kind of more sports and things like that. And I was doing who's ever hair let me, you know, or (laughs) trying on whatever outfit I could find. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where it came from, but I knew I always loved fashion and style. And I think that's kind of how it developed. Yeah. 
So it sounds like you and your sister have quite opposite personalities in that way then. We do. She's a reader and smart and good at sports and all that stuff. And I'm kind of more the opposite. (laughs) So I like being (laughs) fashion type things. And I read a little bit, but not like her. My brother is a reader as well. So we are very different. But, you know, when it comes to her health, we always bounce our opinions and ideas and stuff off each other. It sounds like you guys are really there for each other Mm -hmm. physically, as well as emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, we always try to be in each other's corners and uh, work through any problems we have together. Yeah. I love it that even though all three of you are adults now, you all still live near each other. (laughs) Yeah. Do you get together regularly? We try to, yeah. We see each other Sundays for dinner, usually by my parents, um, and chit-chat here and there outside of that, too. Yeah, we try to. We're really close. We're really bonded. And your sister even told me that you girls lived together for quite a while. We did, yes. As adults. We did, yes. Our first apartment together, yeah. That's so so neat. I just love that. It sounds to me like she's really lucky to have you. She is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this, Jennifer. <laughs> no, I'm lucky oh, that's to so funny. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Jess, for sharing this information with us. Now it's you're time welcome. for a quick commercial break. Don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Jeff Weiner about his experience as a sibling of a CHD patient when we come right back. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed uh, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Siblings of a Truncus Arteriosus Sister, and our guests are Jessica Weiner and Jeff Weiner. We just finished talking with Jessica about her experience growing up with an older sibling with CHD, but now we're going to turn our attention to her brother, Jeff. Jeff is the oldest of three siblings, born in 1977 and the only son to Chris and Jeff Sr. Jeff was just over four years old when Jennifer was born with a complex congenital heart defect. Growing up, he was responsible for walking Jennifer to the school they both attended and babysitting both sisters. He enjoyed playing most sports, especially hockey, which he still plays. After graduating high school, Jeff attended trade school and became a union plumber. In 2006, he married Juliet Manning and moved to Chicago's Portage Park neighborhood. A year later, to celebrate with their families, Jeff and Julie had a second wedding, this time at St. Viator Catholic Church in Chicago. When a couple decided to start a family, they moved to River Grove, the town in which the Weiner siblings grew up. Jeff now has a five-year-old son, Mac, in preschool at St. Celestine in Elmwood Park. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Jeff. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I just love having a brother-sister duo on the show today. This is so much fun. Yeah. 
Okay, so now I'm going to take you way, way back and ask you, can you remember when your sister Jennifer was born, how things changed from when it was just you with your parents? I was only like four years old at the time, so I really don't remember much before. I think Jenny's first surgery uh, and her first time in the hospital was pretty much the beginning of what I can remember. I remember being at the hospital a lot when I was a kid. Do you? And just sitting in the waiting room with grandparents or with one of my parents or aunt and uncle. And I think that was where I learned to read because <laughs> I remember reading a lot in the waiting room at hospitals. Boy, that's the first time I've heard that. Wow. How interesting that reading is what you remember. And your sister just told me that both you and your sister are readers. Yeah. Do you think that those early days of reading in the waiting room, and I can't help but wonder if maybe you said you were sitting there with your grandparents sometimes, do you have some happy memories of your grandparents reading with you? Uh, no, reading was always like a solitary thing. Like it was quiet. Everyone was quiet in the waiting room and I'd have my book and I'd just read to myself. I got pretty good at entertaining myself. And I still enjoy it. Well, that's good. I mean, I imagine most kids today, if they're taken to their siblings' appointments, they're sitting there playing their Nintendo. Yeah. (laughs) But back in the 70s... I would probably be doing that, too, when I'm in the waiting room now. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, what year were you born? 1977. So, back in the 70s, it would have been 80s for you, though, by the time you were reading. So, back in the 80s, I don't think we had Nintendo. I don't remember it in the 80s. Not in the early 80s, anyway. No, no. Yeah, the later 80s, we had it at home. I remember having it, but they didn't have any. There was nothing you could do outside of the house. No, coloring, reading. Yeah, that's about it. How do you think your perspective on Jennifer's condition changed from when she was first diagnosed to her continued care as a teen and an adult? Because if the girls were both in high school, that means you were already out of the house when she had that surgery as a teenager. At the beginning, it didn't seem like it was anything, you know, it it almost seemed normal because that's just the way it was always, Mm -hmm. as far as I could remember. It was Jenny has to go to the hospital or Jenny's having a surgery or Jenny needs a procedure. All that stuff just seemed normal. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until her surgery in 1999 when she had her conduit replaced that it started to seem like it was kind of a big deal because between that time, it was something that was just understood and it never really affected anyone else. But in 1999, I remember the whole family got together and went to Life Source, which is a place where you donate blood and everyone was donating blood specifically for Jenny's surgery. There's a lot of people in our family who were type O. We were all donating the blood for her. That was the first time I started to realize it was kind of a big deal. When she had her pacemaker put in was when she started to get real involved with CHD and that's when I understood that it was a really big deal, especially for her. Right. It just seemed like something that had to be done before that, but now it was like something meaningful. And so you were in your 20s before that happened, right? Mm-hmm. I was 99, yeah, I was 22. Tell me what it was like growing up with this sister with a serious heart condition. It sounds to me like it wasn't any different than really your relationship with Jessica. No, it wasn't. There were some times when you could like the fragility in Jenny, but that's just who she'd always been. She was always a lot skinnier than the rest of us. (laughs) was something that I always remembered. The one thing that stuck in my mind about her condition was I remembered once when I was young, we were in our old house and my mom and dad had a, a machine they used to clean out her trachea when she had a trach tube. I remember 
she had a, a metal tube that was on like a cloth string that was tied around her neck. And I remember my mom cleaning it out one day. And it was really sad. Even at the time, I don't even remember how old I was, but it really bothered me. Yeah. And that was the only thing that really bothered me about it was that happening. And now thinking back on it, like with my kid, thinking about having to go through that with my kid. Yeah. Really different. Yeah, I bet it seems really different to you now that you're a father yourself. Yes. And looking back, it probably seems almost surreal. Yeah. <laughs> really hard to imagine having to do yeah. that. Yeah. Probably gives you a whole new appreciation for your parents. Oh, yeah. It sounds like they did such a good job of providing a normal environment for you and Jessica. And Jennifer. Doesn't sound like they made a huge big deal about it. And they just allowed you all to develop as normal a relationship as you could have. Oh, yeah. Everything her condition required was just something that had to be done, like mm -hmm. cleaning your room or doing your homework. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything special. It was just the way things were. Since uh, Jennifer was so tiny compared to the rest of the family, did you feel that you had to treat her differently, like be more gentle with <sighs> her? Not, Not so much gentle with her. I mean... We used to joke around with her about it. We'd tell her she was adopted. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so what siblings do. <laughs> yeah. We tried to use a lot of humor. Uh-huh. It was all good. It wasn't like we were treating her with kid gloves or anything. Jenny likes to blame me for breaking her leg. I don't know. If, I'm sure she told you the story, actually. <laughs> no, she hasn't. So you can tell us. <laughs> when I was a little kid and I was laying on the floor one day, coloring in a coloring book, and I had crayons and markers laying around, and Jenny was doing whatever kids her age do, running around. And she ran past me and rolled on one of the crayons and fell down and broke her leg. She always blames me now for breaking her leg. I handled her kind of roughly, I guess. No, that sounds like a complete accident. It's not like you pushed her out of a treehouse or anything. Right. I love how it sounds like the three of you just had a normal, rough-and-tumble relationship without being unduly stressed. I hope your parents are listening to this because that is what we dream of, or at least that's what I dreamed of with my children, is that when you're told that your child has a life-threatening condition, you crave normalcy. You just want everything to go back to normal as quickly as possible. I know I worried for, for Joey, for my heart-healthy child. What was it going to be like, him being raised with a brother who could possibly pass away? And I just wondered, how could I make things as normal as possible? And it sounds like your parents did a beautiful job of it. Yeah, we, we never even knew it was that serious. It was just something that happened and something that continued happening and that was it. I love it. Well, thank you, Jeff, for sharing that information. We need to take a quick break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Jessica and Jeff about what advice they have for other siblings and the parents facing a situation similar to theirs. We'll be right back after this quick break. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David serving the ACHD community Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Tonight's 
Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is siblings of a truncus arteriosus sister, and our guests are siblings Jessica Weiner and Jeff Weiner. We just finished talking with Jeff about what it was like to be in a family where a sibling had a major congenital heart defect, and to listen to him, you would think it was no different than any other family, which I absolutely love. And so here we are. We're in the third segment, and we're all in the studio together, and I can't wait to see what information Jessica and Jeff have to share with us. So Jessica, I'm going to start with you. Support for siblings of uh, chronically ill patients seem to be severely lacking even over a decade ago. So I'm sure when you were first growing up, it was really lacking. So can you tell us if you remember in the hospital or in your church, if they gave you any kind of support when Jennifer was in the hospital? You know, I remember that everyone kind of cared and checked on us and brought food over. But for me, it was in in my memory, it was mostly family and friends that really did that. You know, this question is kind of funny for me because as siblings with a sister who's sick, you're never thinking of yourself. What would I need support for? It was her, you know, we just need to get Jenny better. You know, it's kind of funny. Thinking back though now, people might not have had such a support system as we did with our family. You know, the idea is great that there's support now for siblings. But yeah, it's kind of a funny question for us because we weren't worried about ourselves. You know, we were just worried about her. But nowadays, they have programs where before the child has a major surgery, both the child and the siblings can go to the hospital. They take a tour of the hospital. They show them the OR. They show them the waiting room. They let them know what's what's happening. It doesn't sound like any of that happened to you. No, not to my memory, no. And that might be why it wasn't as salient to you. I mean, I think that when they take the siblings Mm -hmm. into the hospital and show them, I think it's great because they understand better. But I wonder if it adds an element of fear that when you don't know, (laughs) you can't really be afraid unless you have a really active imagination or, you know, you watch certain TV shows that make you scared. But that's really interesting. Sounds to me like you had the support anyway. And so it's not like you were feeling left out or feeling uncertain about the future because you were just surrounded by, by loved ones. We were, and and we we really have so many strong people in our family, our grandparents and our parents and uh, aunts and uncles that really, yeah, it wasn't a worry for me. I just always knew that she would be okay. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I I wish all families were that tight knit. That's, That's just amazing. Well, Jeff, you were a young child when Jennifer had her first surgery, and we were talking about that, that it's kind of hard for you to even remember back then. Can you tell us what you do remember from that first surgery and if you remember getting any kind of support? I remember support mostly was from the family. There was the pastor of our church would come to Jenny's room like after surgeries or before surgeries. I kind of remember him being there. But other than that, it was mostly grandparents and 
aunts and uncles. And I remember spending a lot of time at my grandparents' house. And both my parents were working at the time. Mm. So I was there anyway after school or in the summer. I'd spend a lot of time with grandparents. Family-wise, it was pretty much all the support there was. I do remember the Ronald McDonald house. Oh, do you? My parents stayed there the night of the surgery, and I remember going there the next morning, hanging out with them before we could go see Jenny. So even though you live in Chicago, which is a big city, and so you would imagine that the hospital would be right there for you, sounds like maybe you're out in the suburbs. How far was the hospital from your house? Um, probably about 20 minutes, a half hour away. The Ronald McDonald house was right there by the hospital. It was in the area. The hospital by us, she wouldn't. that's not where the major surgeries happened. There's a hospital out here by us in River Grove, but the big surgeries were downtown. Right. So instead of my parents having to stay so far away from her, mm-hmm. they got to stay at the Ronald McDonald House for the night of the surgery. Do you remember if she was in the hospital for a long time? I don't remember. Yeah, well, you were a little kid. Yeah. It's not surprising. But obviously it wasn't traumatic or else you would have remembered that. The thing I remember most from the Ronald McDonald House is that someone was watching the Incredible Hulk cartoon in the common room. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so it, wasn't, it was definitely not a traumatic experience. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Jessica, what advice would you give to parents about involving siblings in their heart warrior's care, especially since we understand you are such a nurturing and loving person? And, and what can parents do to help maintain a sense of normalcy like what your parents did? I would say maybe talking to them a little bit more openly of what's going on. We really didn't understand the severity of it all, which I get, you know, they didn't want us to have the worry that they had. But I think it would have made more sense in our heads as to why she was maybe a little more tended to or maybe be more supportive to her going through it. I think back of uh, being in high school and was I really there for her? I hope I was there for her. I, I don't remember it very clearly, but maybe just having more of an open forum to talk about what was going on so that we understood it better. And as far as making life normal, I guess when you're a sibling of a sister who's sick, that is your normal. Just It is <laughs> yeah. what it is. It was our family's normal. I never felt unloved. I never felt surprised. If I ever needed to be scooted aside for a second to solve an issue with Jenny or to learn something more on my own, I was happy to do so because it made me like the person I am today. I'm a problem solver. I'm a caregiver. I, you know, I like that I do things my way. I really, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change any of it. You know, I wish she was healthy, but <laughs> I wouldn't have changed our childhood in any way. Yeah. Well, Jeff, as I'm sure you know by now, congenital heart defects are the number one birth defect. Can you tell me if having a sister with a CHD affected your decision to have a child yourself? And did you and your wife take any special precautions? It really didn't affect the decision at all. Having kids was something that we really wanted to do. And we had our own issues with that. We had to do IVF to get our son. We did have uh, genetic testing done, but that was something through IVF that they wanted to make sure as much as possible that this was going to be successful before we went through everything. But any concerns? I didn't have any concerns about it based on Jenny, not at all, and really on anything. I mean, it's you can't really focus on the negative possibilities, especially if it's something that you really wanted. Right. And I understand Mac is just a teeny bit spoiled by his loving aunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's actually with her right now. That's why I have uh, some quiet at my house. He spent the night at Aunt Jenny. 
so I'm sure she's oh, miserable honey. right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, my goodness. If you heard the way she brags on her nephew. Oh, no. I have a feeling she is eating it up. She's probably sitting there eating cereal and watching cartoons with him. <laughs> oh, I don't think they're eating cereal. They're, it's probably candy for breakfast over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have anything to add to what your sister did about the normalcy? You know, helping parents to make sure that their children do have a normal upbringing. It sounds like you guys had the ideal situation. Yeah, I think mostly it was our parents that made it that great. I mean, it seems like it would be such a stressful situation. And our parents did a great job of not sharing that stress with us. And mm-hmm. I think that's what made it easiest that it made it seem to us that this was just something that was happening and it wasn't anything that we really needed to be that concerned about. Well, that's wonderful. Like I said, I really hope they listen to this because I know that, you know, as parents, and you know this now yourself, Jeff, you don't get feedback until it's too late. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> well, you Your kids remember, are 20 or 30 years old. I remember how you wanted it when you were a kid and it still doesn't work yeah. out that way. Oh, no, because everything has changed. I mean, the world now compared to the world in the 80s, look at it. (laughs) It is so different. There's no way you could raise your child. I mean, unless you lived on an island or something, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) It would be hard to go back just with the Internet and cable the way it is and television shows and movies and stuff it it's a very different world than the world that you grew up in don't you think oh yeah it sounds like you're doing a loving job and that your sisters are also very loving and you're in the same neighborhood so i imagine grandparents dote on him as well yeah especially since he's the only (laughs) grandchild right Right. Do you have great-grandparents, for, or, or does he have great-grandparents still alive? No, um, not anymore. Oh. He did. He was around for um, Grandma Glore, our mother's mom. Uh-huh. She was the only one left when he was born. Well, I'm glad she got a chance to see him because it sounds like it's such a loving family. And I know, being a mother myself, that it's seeing those babies and grandbabies and then great-grandbabies come into the family that makes you just have a heart that is overflowing with love. And it sounds to me like that describes your family perfectly. Well, I just cannot thank the two of you enough for coming on the show today. I hope every show in season 11 is as wonderful as this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Jenny wasn't sure that she could get both of you to agree to do this. So I'm really glad that she both said that you would (laughs) come on your very first podcast. You guys have been terrific. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find us and like us on iTunes. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. 
We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.